My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 14 of the Adventure Games podcast. Apologies for no episode last week, but unfortunately life got in the way and myself and Tomas were unable to find a moment to talk. But hopefully we'll be back next week uh, to talk and review the adventure games we are playing. We'll do everything we can to get together at some point. But this week I go back to ancient China with Min Tao of Nepixo Games as he talks about his latest adventure game, Detective D, The Silk Rose Murders. But first I just want to talk very briefly about New games that have been released and announced this past week or so. Now the first game I want to talk about is Close to the Sun. So this so the story is it's 1897, deep in international waters, the Helios stands still. Now the Helios is, was born of Nikola Tesla's vision, and it serves as a haven for the greatest scientific minds. Now you play as journalist Rose Archer as she steps aboard Helios in search of her sister Ada. She quickly discovers not all is as it seems. Grand halls stand empty, the stench of rotting flesh lingers in the air. Silence. A single word is painted across the entrance. Quarantine. Now this game from the screenshots and trailers, it does look similar to Bioshock, but it seems to play more like Amnesia. So it's a first-person horror adventure where survival, surviving is everything. You also need to problem-solve in order to progress the story and find out just what happened on board Tesla's ship. So there are different types of puzzles in the game. You also need to work with an ally who helps Rose navigate her way through the ship's artistic halls. And you also need to uh, run and hide as you help Rose survive the game as well. So it is a mature game. They say that there is blood and gore, intense violence, and strong language. Now it looks very, very interesting. It looks like a big budget has been used to make the game. So it is an Epic Games exclusive. It is available on Epic Games Store. And you can find out more on the Epic Games Store or on close to the sungame.com. Now, uh, next game I want to talk about, well, two games, actually, from Backwoods, the developers of Unforeseen Incidents, which was one of the hit adventure games of last year. Uh, they have announced that they have got an additional funding of €100,000 from the Film and Median Stiftung NRW and this for their game Resort, and this will help them finish the production of the game. So, Resort is an interactive mystery short story about emotions, introspection, and coping. You play as famous writer Laura Tanner as she embarks on a surreal journey and faces an odd intersection of dreams and reality. A comet threatens to hit the woods around a small town of Labyrinth Creek. Some of its inhabitants refuse to leave. Laura Tanner visits the former health resort to interview them and stumbles upon even more mysterious ongoings. So, developers say that. Uh, this is a bit like, you know, as a Twin Peaks-like experience. 
and it is a modern explorative and narrative game that focuses on the story. It features a beautifully handcrafted 3D low-poly environment. Now, there's no specific release date yet, but they are going to bring the game to events, festivals, and trade fairs soon. So we'll be hearing more about that very soon. They have also announced a new adventure game that they are working on. So they have collaborated with Hauke Gerdes and Rocket Beans TV, and they are working on a new game called Pen and Paper Stories Moriton Manor. They say that this is a narrative genre mashup comedy adventure game with point and click and RPG elements. So this game is set in the Moriton Manor franchise, which is known from German internet TV channel Rocket Beans, Rocket Beans TV's popular format Pen and Paper. And their game Moriton Manor is a mystery set in the Victorian era. Four famous noblemen detectives investigate supernatural phenomena in Victorian England. These four noblemen detectives, however, disappear during the last mission on Delagny Island. And you play as a private investigator, Harriet Wana Brook. Having some experience with the unnatural, Harriet Brook is sent to the mysterious island to find them. Now, on this island, you encounter a strangely bewildered countess, a suspicious groundsman, a horrifying creature in the woods, and a surreal time paradox that somehow seems to balance everything. Now, the graphics will be hand-drawn 2D comic style, which is similar to their previous game, Unforeseen Incidents. The developers say that there are some challenging puzzles, an intriguing story, quirky characters, and a world full of secret mysteries and witty jokes. Now, this game is just in a phase of conception, so there is no specific release date, but we will be finding out more about it as well in the near future. So, also I wanted to mention that Guard Duty has just been released, and I spoke with the developer Nathan Hamley for episode 11, if you want to find out more about that game. It has been getting rave reviews from people who have played it, so I would highly recommend people check that game out. Another game that has just been released is The Deaths of Erin Myers. This is from a UK-based game developer, Viperant, and The Death of Erin Myers is a dark and gritty first-person pre-rendered mystery game that casts players in the role of Erin Myers, a cop who is now dead. But how did she die? And why did she die? These are the questions that will be answered as players step back in time and puzzle their way through nine prominent moments from her life. Moments that will reveal who Erin Myers was and what happened to her. In the end, she can't be saved, but maybe, just maybe, she can be understood. Now, the interesting thing about this game, apart from the fact that the main character has died and you work your way back to find out what happened to her, that this is part of a short story series which is an anthology of five standalone games, each lasting one to two hours and each telling a different self-contained story. So they'll all have similar mechanics, such as exploration, interacting with other characters, and picking up and using objects to solve environment puzzles. So the story of these games are unrelated, but they will have similar dark and macabre subject matter and themes. And the genres of the games will be different from mystery to horror to science fiction. So it's a bit like a short stories collection. And so this game, The Death of Erin Myers, is available now on Steam, and it's also DRM-free from itch.io. It's available for $1.99, 
with a 10% launch, so it's not expensive at all. And it has been getting some really positive reviews as well, so I'd highly recommend people check that out as well. And now for something a little bit more lighthearted, uh, Summer Days at Hero U is the next game that has been officially announced from by the Coles. Now they spoke a little bit about this when I spoke with them in episode 8, but they have now officially announced that they are planning on releasing this game in the summer of 2020. Now this is an interactive adventure tale set the summer before Sean finds his way to the Hero University. Sean O'Connor, of course, being the hero of their previous game, Hero U, Rogue to Redemption. So the summer session is almost over and the Harvest Festival is approaching. Somebody has to be in charge of making sure the festival is a success, whether they want to or not. Now you play as two characters. You can play as Tilly Appleberry, who is a carefree rogue who gets through life with a twinkle in her eye, a grin on her face, and a talent for mischief. Or you can play as Ifeu Kina, who is a serious wizard student who loves to study magic. Now this is in 2D. It features an elegant 2D illustrative style with a bright palette and tone that fits this light-hearted story. And now the developers, the Coles, are first focusing on Tilly's tale. They want to have Tilly's game fully designed and programmed before the end of this summer, 2019, just in time for a fall Kickstarter to help fund the rest of the project later this year. The Kickstarter then will include Faye's story and other features depending on how much money to raise in the Kickstarter. So again, it looks very interesting. It's not a direct sequel to Hero U, but uh, it looks very, very interesting. And again, set, set in the same world. So I would highly recommend people to check that out. And I will have more details on the Kickstarter uh, as I get it. And finally, to go more retro now, there is a new game from Icefall Games, who is a developer of Snail Trek, which had um, a text parter and a point-and-click interface. He's working on a new game called Cascadia Quest, which is an epic mystery in the wilds of the Pacific Northwest. Now, this game does feature a text parter, parser, rather. Uh, so you control your character with Sierra-style typing interface. But it is streamlined with modern features like autocorrect and autosuggest. So it's slightly easier in that sense that you can, when you begin to type, you get autocorrect and autosuggest. But you can also turn it off if you want it almost exactly the same as in the early Sierra games and adventure games that came with a text parser. You can turn it off. But for modern, it has modern features like that to make things a little bit easier. Now, it's uh, also their developer says that there are plenty of deaths, but there are no dead ends. So, you when your character dies, you, there are auto saves in the game, so you quickly recover to that moment. You also meet a host of quirky characters on your journey, and you converse naturally with them using the parser. And it also has widescreen aspect ratio, as well as plenty of other things as well. So you can find out more about this game at CascadiaQuest.com and sign up for a newsletter for more information. And the tentative release date is 2020. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that game 
as well. So now I will take you to the interview I had with Mintav at Pixel Games. Detective D Silk Rose Murders is a game that I've been keeping an eye on for a while. It has a very unique setting and it's a detective game set in ancient China. And I spoke with Mintao and I found out everything I wanted to know, well, as much as I could about the game without any spoilers. And But first I will play you some the music that you can hear from the game, which is really, really nice to hear as well, followed by the interview. So please enjoy. Today I am joined by Minta of New Pixel Games. I hope I got the name right. Is that how you say New Pixel Games? Yeah, that's okay. right. That's correct. <laughs> well, th- thank you very much. So that's the voice of Minta, a developer of Detective D, which we'll be talking about now shortly. So, hello, Min. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So I believe we are on opposite ends of the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, it's not too bad. I think it's a seven-hour difference, but I'm pretty used to working long distance nowadays. <laughs> sure, that's the joys of the internet, that we can yeah. <laughs> be in the opposite end of the world and we can still talk to each other in real time. It's <laughs> uh, So, well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really looking forward to discussing your game with you and your other games. And before we start uh, talking with your game, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and let people know what your favorite adventure games are. Mm. You know, I've been playing adventure games for a long time. And so, you know, I I do have a number of favorites. But if I had to to list just a few, I'd say um, the ones that had, uh, you know, a lasting impact, I'd put uh, Gabriel Knight, probably the first one and and the second one. Uh, in that list, I'd probably put Grim Fandango uh, in that list. I really liked The Longest Journey. And, you know, again, this is this uh, shows my age, but um, uh, also Tex Murphy. You know, a lot of fun when I was a teenager and seeing what they were doing with that and really enjoying that, um, that world. More recently, I think, you know, it's been interesting uh, uh, sort of playing different ideas of what uh, an adventure game is, you know, so it's not limited to that sort of more traditional point and click, but one of my favorites in the last few years has been Life is Strange. Oh, well, uh, I haven't played it, but I, I, I know that I've heard a lot of good things about it. Yeah, no, it's, it, you know, it's great, and, and it really um, hooked me in, in in the way that some of the older ones did when I was younger, so I thought that was... Uh, um, you know, one of the better ones uh, in recent memory. 
Right, yeah, no, again, some very good choices. I think the only one that you mentioned that I haven't played is Life is, Stra- Life is Strange yet, but I've played the others. I've played Tex Murphy and I've played, of course, Grim Fandango and the two Gabriel mm-hmm. Knight games. And uh, I, again, yeah, I think there is something about the storylines in all of them and the characters that um, right. that they, they really feel alive. That particularly with Gabriel Knight's case with the first one, Sins of the Father, that New Orleans was... Uh, a character by itself, it felt like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it no, felt uh, alive. For sure, I think the writing and, and the uh, the atmosphere in those games was probably their strongest parts, you know. And and, and I, I put Grim Fandango in, in in a pretty high category in terms of that world building as well, because you know it just it was so unique, but at the same time it drew you in and you cared right. for the characters and by the end of the game you know you didn't want to you didn't really want to leave that that world and i think that was uh that's what these games share you know I, for me at least you know same thing with the longest journey <laughs> it was right, a pretty long yeah. journey but even <laughs> at the end uh even at the end of that you know, 15 20 hour game i still felt like you know i wanted to uh, be in that world a bit more. So yeah, I think they they are all successful in that way. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I see what you mean. Uh, Grim Fandango not wanting to leave the world, and I thought the ending, which uh, for people who haven't played it, I won't go into spoilers. I don't imagine <laughs> most people have played it, but I thought it was perfect, the perfect ending. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. even though I'd love to see more games in that world, I'm also happy that there was no other games. I thought that the ending itself was just. Uh, was ju- was just perfect. It was um, yes, yes, yes. And, and as you mentioned, the ca- the characters and the story was so complex as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had I yeah. had played the game several times. Now, I know I was young, you know, when I first played it. But even when I play replayed it a few years ago, and again I had to play it again because it's always something that I that I find a second and third time that I replay it. And the longest journey as well. It it was one of one of the first adventure games that I played and I was blown away. It was, uh, you know, I, I, one of my favorite parts was just the beginning when you're walking around Venice and, you know, you're meeting with your friends in the cafe and you're going to art school. And because I thought the character was coming alive, that the character, it could be anybody. It could be our our best friend. It could, she could, April Ryan could be our neighbor or our sister or anyone she's yeah uh, you know yeah. really she feels really real and then once yeah. the story gets going and you know you go to mercuria i thought it's wow anything could happen in this game i have no idea what to expect or where this game is going so yeah, yeah um, no absolutely yeah so it, it so really they, they, they really draw you in um you know mm-hmm. they all have that characteristic but also you know they they sustain that level of interest throughout their playtime if I took a break from the game, I never felt like, oh, I'm not going to go back to it. I had to go back to it at some point. Right. You know? <laughs> <It> <laughs> I, I think one of the things with, with more recent adventure games that I've played, maybe it's just my age and maybe it's, you know, just everything, all the choice that we have now is that it's harder for uh, um, more recent games to keep me engaged in that way. You know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I see what you mean. It's... it's don't know, it could be that we're getting older, that we're busier now, but also there are a lot of other adventure games now that uh, are vying yeah. for our attention. So. Sure, sure. But, but yeah, no, I think Longest Journey definitely is very unique in that way, that I still haven't come across. I mean, I've played other games which are 
really, really good, including recent games. But as I said, with the game like Longest Journey, where I felt like anything could happen and I had no idea where it was going, mm-hmm. and with that world as well. And that with Tex Murphy, again, I, I played it kind of late. I played it for the first time a few years ago, but I really enjoyed the games. Um, Under a Killing Moon and Pandora Directive are probably, you know, again, like mm-hmm. my favorites. And I loved, uh, well, the acting from Chris Jones. I thought he did an amazing job. Yeah. And, yeah. and I loved the setting in that as well. And I read the books as well, which are pretty good. Oh. From Aaron, yeah, no, Aaron I, Connors, yeah. Yeah, so, that's great. So, no, I was always a big fan, uh, you know, and, and uh, when they announced uh, their Kickstarter, you know, I was on yes. board right away. Yeah. <laughs> it was an easy sell for me. Yeah, I'm I'm on board. So. Yeah. And uh, OK, so now you yourself are an adventure game developer. So I was wondering if you could talk about when you first founded uh, the studio. Yeah. When, when, um, when you first wanted to be to become an adventure game developer. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things where I, I grew up in a time where there were no game design schools, you know, there was no, uh, you could go in this career path, you know, it was more like, uh, oh, games was a hobby, and uh, if uh, you wanted to make games on the side, maybe, you know, that that's a little hobby as well, but it was never, you know, a, a clear-cut profession, Um but nowadays, it certainly is. But uh, when I look back, my journey probably took a good 10 years before I started really uh, doing, uh, to, well, first of all, to get to this point, but even just thinking about it as something that I could do um, as sort of taking steps towards a career, or towards, you know, something professional. Uh, it was it was quite a long time. So what? A, <clears throat> just to go back a little bit, I mean, I started off as a uh, web designer. Um, so I, you know, for for uh, 15 years, I've been doing web design. But I had studied in film and, and multimedia. So you know, and I was a big fan of adventure games. So it was always there. You know, it was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to you know, uh, express myself in this sort of way with, with uh, being able to create something um, like that. But, you know, it took a long time before I could carve out um, the skills, you know, first of all, um, you know, as I, as I was uh, doing uh, more projects for clients, I was building an own, my own skill sets in terms of uh, artwork and uh, design and, and even uh, programming, you know, which I'm, I'm not an expert at, but I, I, you know, had to learn how to do. So over time, I just sort of kept going on the side, doing little projects, doing little games. So about six or seven years ago, I did my first game, which was just a Flash game. And, you know, um, it uh, did okay. And then I was able to do a second one. And then I was able to do a third one. And, you know, when I say they did okay, it was just they were played by people and, and uh, they didn't really make me much money at all. But, you know, people seemed to play them and I was able to do uh, a couple more. And and so um, a few years ago, you know, when, when I saw um, Kickstarter, and I, I probably this was back in 2013, 
So uh, a while back, 2013, 2014, you know, I started having ideas. I started having ideas about what I could do, what what kind of adventure game I could do, because I knew from the start that that's was going to be my first big professional project. I wanted to do uh, an adventure game for the longest time. So the idea suddenly came to me, you know, why don't I combine this, my love for detective fiction, which, you know, you can see that from, from the choices of, of adventure games that I gave you before, that a lot of them have to do with detectives and mystery and, and that kind of genre. Um, uh, so I, I took that and I, and in my own background, um, I'm of Chinese, Vietnamese descent, and uh, I grew up watching, you know, Chinese television, Hong Kong films, and I knew that I wanted to somehow sort of bring, sort of, I mean, it's sort of cliche, but East meets West kind of thing, and see if, if there was an audience for that. And so, you know, it just sort of happened. I just sort of uh, came up with the idea of Detective D, uh, which in the, in, the, in the East is sort of um, the Sherlock Holmes of China. And, uh, you know, it's very popular in China. And in fact, in, around the world, because uh, books have been, a lot of books have been written with that character. So, you know, that's how I kind of fell into it. And, that, and I... And I just put myself out there with a Kickstarter in 2015. And uh, we had enough support that, uh, you know, I put me on a path to creating this game. And now uh, we're about two weeks away from it being released. Yeah, that's very very exciting. It's, uh, <laughs> as I said before we started the interview, that for me this game looks uh, really unique because I can't remember another at least adventure game set in ancient China or at least a detective game set in ancient China is com- combining two two things you know detective genre and then historical game in a setting that I and I'm sure many other people don't know very much about so that we look forward to to learning more about um, now before we get to the game itself you mentioned that you made other flash games and on your website, I see that you met that you made three other games. Correct, I believe it was Shadow to Shadow the Ninja games and Facility Z. So I want to ask you very briefly about those games. Uh, what first of all, the Shadow the Ninja games. Uh, what type of games are they? Were, were they the Flash game? Some Flash games that you mentioned. Yeah. So those two are the Flash. Or, well, uh, Shadow of the Ninja. Uh, you know, did well enough that I did a second one. And uh, Facility Z was the third one, and they—they're all they're both both series are platformers. Those games are platformers, and the Shadow of the Ninja is a puzzle platformer, whereas um, uh, Facility Z is a uh, action platformer. And you know, it's interesting when I trace the the path of these games. I always want, I, you know, I'm always I've always been a very nat- narrative-driven person, so I, I always like to play games that have narratives, and I personally you know, like to sort of create narratives. And, and when I had a chance with, with, with these games, I, I, I would put some narrative in there. And you know, as, as I progressed, I put more and more narrative, and Facility Z has, you know, uh, despite the fact that it's, a, it's 
a, a pretty um, simple action platformer, it has a narrative and even a little twist ending. And so, um, you know, again, I, I knew this was leading somewhere. Um, and ultimately, you know, it, it led me to where really my heart was, which was, you know, adventure games. Right, yeah. And so, so very very quickly then, uh, you mentioned that there was a narrative in the game. So in Shadow of the, the Ninja, what, what is the story behind those games? I know there you mentioned they're platformers, but from what I can see, I believe adventure game players might enjoy them as well. Right. Well, that, that particular game um, has a fairly uh, basic uh, setup. Um, actually, Facility Z is probably the one that has a little bit more uh, of an interesting story where there's... Uh, uh, like I said, there was a, there's a twist at the end. With the, the Shadow games, it, you know, it, it was, I think for me, the interesting part was the Japanese setting and, um, you know, being a ninja and rescuing these villagers. And, and the story was really told more in the, the progression of the levels and, and what, what the next location was. Um, so... Yeah, again, uh, you know, it was just really a build-up uh, because my first game was uh, Shadow of the Ninja, and and then by the time I did Facility Z, you know, I had all these ideas and I wanted to uh, put more narrative narrative in the game. And <clears throat> you know, now that I'm doing an adventure game, basically there is no action. <laughs> um, there's puzzles and there's uh, all of that, but uh, really the focus is on is on the story and the characters and um you know it's been very interesting right here yeah. and then facility z well first of all everybody loves ninjas so <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure if you want to play the ninja you play those games that uh you know i think everyone around the world that's one thing we all have in common that we all love ninjas so <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know I, I think we all think that you know i think we all secretly grow up wanting to be a ninja so, <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's a reason uh, yeah. why why the turtles, the teenage mutants. Well, take over here we call them a hero, but over there is probably ninja turtles. Why they're so popular still? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and uh, th- then facility Z you mentioned as well. That that sounds like a now I don't know anything about this game, but it sounds like a post-apocalyptic game. But uh, am, am I wrong about that? Is or is this... uh, yeah, no, it, it definitely has uh, some, a variety of zombies, so that's what the right. Z comes from. But, um, you know, we, again, when, when you're creating this game, you have to be very careful about scope. You know, you don't want to do an idea where it gets too big and you're not able to execute. So what, what this was, was um, uh, it's an Ante- a base in Antarctica where, oh. you know, some some uh, experiments uh, take place, and you know you kind of you can kind of guess what happens. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it all things, goes very smoothly, <laughs> right? <laughs> bad things start start to happen, and um, you know you sort of unravel what what that uh, uh, might be. And, um, and again, it was it, you know I've always been a big fan of of um, movies and stories that have you know a lot of twists and turns so uh as i I, as i was doing that game i was sort of felt like i was going to practice some of that and see if i could 
you know, hook the player uh, into finishing the game. So, yeah, no, it definitely, um, definitely has some zombies in there. Okay. Sounds, so, sounds, you know, ninjas and zombies. <laughs> <laughs> They're two of the most popular things in fiction nowadays. You know, ninja, well, ninjas are now, now zombies that people seem to, you know, can't get enough of them now. <laughs> exactly. You can't lose. So, Actually, maybe next game should be ninja versus zombies. <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Maybe the next game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And okay. And h- how long are the games, more or less? Um, you know, uh, I think they're well because they're flash games. They're they're meant to be played on short uh, pl- playthroughs. Um, so you know, somebody might sit for fifteen minutes and play a few levels. Um, but uh. I don't know. I think a few hours, a couple hours each, um, you know. Uh, okay. Long enough. So, enough. That's yeah. good, good length. <laughs> but, you know, honestly, it's been such a long time. With Shadow, um, you know, again, the first one was probably, I, I probably did that one about seven years ago or eight. So, yeah, it goes back. It goes back. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I look forward to trying those games out, but um, then, so that's those games of Shadow the Ninja and Facility Z, and I will have uh, links to those games as well. But then, now you mentioned you're making an adventure game, or you're, well, you've made an adventure, you're about to release adventure game uh, called Detective D, The Silk Rose Murders. And so, now you mentioned that you came up with this game when you heard about Kickstarter. So you, you, you put this game on Kickstarter, correct? That's right, yeah. Yeah, okay. And so uh, so you said that you wanted to make a game East meets West. And as I mentioned, it, 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 well, it looks beautiful and has a very unique setting. Uh, so uh, what, what can you tell us about... I know it's a mystery game, so it's probably not a huge amount. But for people who haven't heard in particular, what, what can you tell us about the set or about... The, the plot of the of the game mm-hmm. right um or the setup yeah no uh, yeah no so you know uh that was one of the things that was most important to me was that initial um setup or setting uh and you know w- would it be interesting to players and that's why kickstarter was was something that allowed us to see you know like if, if I didn't have Kickstarter, uh, would I have done a game, an adventure game, based on this setting, knowing that it's never been done before? You know, like, w- would, would there be an audience? That was a big question. And because of Kickstarter, we were able to see, oh, okay, you know what? We've gotten the support of these people, and they've, they've pushed us through, and now we, we have a, a initial uh, funding, and we can... We can go ahead and and, uh, and uh, build this game, but uh, basically the the the, the idea is um, uh, the setting is the Tang Dynasty China, so it goes back to um, uh, about sixty nine uh, or six hundred ninety eighty, and you are a um, a detective or at the time, they were, they were magistrates, so uh, they were judge, uh, jury, and um, uh, uh, 
you know, the police. Um, so they, they, they were in charge of everything. Um, so at the time, and this character is based on uh, a real person who lived in the Tang Dynasty. So we had a lot to, to, to draw from. Um, he lived uh, and he was a, a famous detective and he worked for the only uh, female empress that China has ever had. So right away, we were looking at something that was quite unique. And I thought, um, you know, I think people might like to go, uh, you know, to a place like that and see, you know, what, what that would be like. And so, um, yeah, the main hook or the main setting is you play a detective in this period that's, you know, very rich in history and very unique in terms of, you know, having um, a, a female empress, but also, you know, a very um, rich tapestry because, you know, China at that time, you know, was quite powerful and, and uh, very, uh, very advanced um, for, uh, you know, for, for a lot of different reasons, but it was, it was really uh, a prosperous time. Right, yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, the setting and the time period is is fascinating as well because I, I think even in in the West, you know, not a huge amount is known about the you know you know what the world was like in the West at the time, but in the East as well. And you mentioned it's only a female Empress of China, and so so as as well, you mentioned that Detective D was a real figure, real historical figure. Uh, how close is the character in the game to the real figure? Did you keep him close to what you read about the main, the, the real figure, or did you make any changes yourself? Oh, we definitely made changes. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because, uh, you know, um, I think I started off at some point saying that, the, you know, Detective D is kind of uh, the Sherlock Holmes of China. Right, yeah. And, and when I think about Sherlock Holmes... You know, I, I don't really know which version <laughs> to think about anymore. You know, there's been so many. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and would you say which one is correct? You know, like, I guess I guess you would maybe go back to the books. But at the same time, many generations don't, you know, don't know about the books. And they just know the, the movies or the TV shows. So it, it's an interesting question. For, for this particular character, Detective D... You know, he was, because it's such a long time ago, you know, we're talking about um, 1,400 years ago, the history books, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty vague. You know, we kind of know certain things about him and who, uh, who he worked with and, and that kind of thing. But the reason why he became a famous detective was because of a... Um, uh, a writer from the Netherlands, uh, his name is uh, Robert Van Gulik, who wrote a series of books uh, with Detective D as the central character and in the detective genre. So it was very interesting uh, that these books who came out, which, which came out in the 50s, 60s, 
uh, became very popular. And, you know, they're, they're, they're known. It's funny because I had, when I did the Kickstarter, I had people from uh, Italy, from France, from the U.S. telling me, you know, they were big fans of the book and they're, you know, uh, really interested in seeing where uh, we take the story. So in fiction, because of these books, um, you know, the, the, the legend of Detective D grew in a very uh, sort of uh, different direction than in the, the real world Detective D. Because the real world Detective D, honestly, was not, you know, uh, necessarily this great detective investigating figure. He was more of a usman. And somebody who worked behind the steam, behind the scenes. So, um, you know, where where I drew from was uh, the books. Um, I was, uh, you know, I've I've read uh, many of them, and I was also a fan of some of the Chinese TV shows that have been made about Detective D, and they all sort of focus on the detective version of this uh, person or this figure. So, you know, that's that's kind of what we focused on. Um, we also went for a younger version, um, even though in real life he met the Empress when he was a bit older. Uh, we sort of decided to, to go with the younger version, somebody who was working on his first case. Um, you know, that that was a decision mostly just so, so we could sort of bring the player along. Um, and... Uh, you know, I, I think people are going to be able to connect with with this version uh, because, uh, you know, in the same way that you, you're able to, you see like um, the Cumberbatch version of Sherlock Holmes connecting with, you know, younger audiences. Um, he's very different from your classical, you know, Sherlock Holmes. Uh but at the same time, you know, very relatable. And you can see why people like that version a lot as well. Right, yeah. So no, definitely it's a Cumberbatch version. And as you mentioned, so, so many different people played Sherlock Holmes. I believe he's the the character that is most played on TV and, and film by, yeah, by by the most amount so. of actors. So, And they all, so. have, they all have a different way of, you know, playing and going back to Jeremy Brett and... Then there's uh, Robert Downey Jr., Benedict Cumberbatch, and then there's the old, even Ian McKellen uh, played mm-hmm. played Sherlock Holmes when he was older, and yep. uh, and and yeah. So so this is this game Detective D is based more on the on the books, and which is it's funny because it was a European, as you mentioned, that wrote a book about this Chinese detective in the well in ancient China. <laughs> um, exactly. Exactly. So, so as you mentioned, it's this East meets meet West. So yeah. No, for sure, and 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 um, the Chinese have uh, um, a similar view of Detective D in their media in terms of how we, how we see Sherlock Holmes in the West. Uh, in China, Detective D is is an icon in terms of you know all the movies, all the actors that have played him and the TV shows. So you know, there's a very very large pool that you can sort of pull from and take from. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that was an interesting, uh, process, you know, you know, what do we, 
what do we do? How do we go about presenting this new character to potentially a new audience? And I, I was sort of went back to um, again this 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 uh, more uh, I guess modern version of of the Sherlock Holmes, uh, uh, you know Robert Downey or uh, Cumberbatch, where you know there's this accessibility you feel like. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I kind of uh, wanted that feeling. It's it's still very much based on the times. You know, we did a lot of research. I, I was I was um, I spent a lot of time going over. You know, uh, you know the, the making sure that the history was correct and and um, you know that the setting and everything felt right. You know, it's not obviously a historical document, and we're we're, we're taking a little bit of uh, some liberties, but um, uh, I think that uh, Western players and Eastern, you know, and and, um, mainly I guess Chinese players will be able to to appreciate, um, you know, the level of um, detail, you know, that, that we've tried to put in. Right, yeah, no, definitely. It, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I'm very interested, and in I know other friends of mine who play adventure games are interested. And then I imagine in China, as you mentioned, uh, people there would be interested since they already know more about the character. Right. It's, you right. know, it's like if we we get a Sherlock Holmes game, it's like, oh, we know who the character is, so let's see what uh, what they do with it. But now with this, it's 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 like, well, I've never heard of this this character, but it, it looks fascinating. And, yeah, and 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 then with the setting itself, you mentioned that you did research on it because since it's set in six eighty six ninety, back then, being a detective, I imagine, is more difficult than it is nowadays because there were no mobile phones, no forensics, and no none of the modern technology that we have now <laughs> to resolve yeah. crime. So, uh, I wonder if you could. Tell how you went about. So, what challenges maybe the character will face, or how he goes about investigating? What tools do you have? So, what? How do you go about investigating these murders or these crimes in that historical setting? Right. You know, that's an interesting. Without spotting, um, without spotting anything, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think um, in sort of the modern age, where where you have all these different TV shows that uh, what do you call them? Prosecute. Uh, Procedurals. Um, procedurals, yeah, yes. Exactly, CSI. And, and you know, you get, you get CSI and CSI Miami and CSI this city and that city. Um, I think, we, yeah, certainly it's going to be a bit more old school, you know, in terms of um, the kind of detective that, that, that uh, Detective D is. Because if you look at it as a spectrum, so you get your CSI on one end, and, um, you know, on the other end, I guess you would put somebody like, um, like Sherlock Holmes or like a Columbo, where it's more about the detuc- de- de- deductive reasoning, you know, where it's more about talking to somebody and seeing if you can tell if they're lying um, or, you know, if, if, if their story holds up. And so it, it's it's more that classical style of trying to um, uh, you know th- there's more psychology to it you know and and, and a bit less science. Right. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, no, that's that makes that makes sense because even the Sherlock Holmes, well, even not the you know the Sherlock Holmes set in Victorian London, they do feel kind of modern because they do use forensics and some science as well. So sure. it's in some something like this going way back. Uh, I, I imagine, as you mentioned, that they rely a lot more on the actual investigation and speaking and interrogating people and, um, you know, because they don't have the technology available to them. And I have to say that they don't use, um, you know, they, they had coroners and, and so they, they were able to right. do postmortems and things like that. So there was some information gleaned from that, you know, and, and again, the Chinese were even back at that time, were very advanced in terms of their medicine and things like that. So, you know, it was just interesting to to sort of walk that line of basically rooting it in that period, you know, and trying to find interesting ways to in- integrate um, puzzles and and this kind of deductive reasoning. Yeah, and it was always uh, it was always a challenge, but I always felt like there was so much to draw from 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 that uh, period. So many interesting things. The fact that they, you know, uh, were were doing doing printing, for example, and wow. uh, all these different inventions that you know the Chinese were already doing, and you know, there's there's so many interesting things there. Um, so yeah, no, we definitely had enough to um, sort of balance things out. You know, there was definitely less science and less sort of use of technology, but at the same time, you know, that uh, that gave us a chance to look at other things and see if we could make things interesting and different, for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. So there was still some science because it is mentioned with printing and with postmortem, which I I didn't know that they did back then. But right. uh, it, it seems like China was ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. For and, I think for a lot of things, uh, a lot of inventions uh, came from uh, came from China. Uh, right. In, yes. In, yeah. In this, in, even in this era, uh, because it was so prosperous. Um, you know, there was a lot of, and, and not just in terms of inventions, but in terms of art, in terms of politics, uh, in terms of culture, it was all very advanced and very, you know, rich and complex. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that sounds really, you know, interesting. And, uh, then you mentioned that this game takes place during the reign of the only female empress empress of China. Does she play a prominent role in the game, or is is, is that a spoiler to say? Uh, no, I guess it's not. It's not a spoiler. I think uh, she she will. I mean, we kind of hint at it in the synopsis, where you know um, the backdrop of the story is that she has just. Um, her husband has died, or the, the 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 emperor has died, and she's now become, or she's uh, um, announced herself as the next ruler, or the new ruler, and there's dissension, right? So there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, revolts and different kinds of things. So that's the backdrop. So politically, you know, it's a very tense time and tense situation. And Detective D comes in, and these uh, murders start to happen. And now, 
you know, how, how are things connected and, and uh, what's going on behind the scenes? That's what, uh, you know, you need to uh, discover. Okay. And so we're, you mentioned that there was this contentment. Were people not happy because she uh, she was female or were there other reasons? Was it because her husband was popular or yeah, there you know, other I, reasons? Or? I would say that uh, the main reason is probably because she was female. Um, you know, again, right. she, was, she was not only the first, but the only. Uh, so the first and the last. And she, um, you know... It's funny because in the history books, uh, some people say, you know, she was very cruel and she she did things behind the scenes that were, uh, you know, you consider evil and things like that. But then you take that and you come if those things are in fact true and, you know, it's hard to say. But even if those things were true and you take that and you compare them to every other emperor, well, you know, it, it's not more or less than what they they would have done or they did. So right. the fact that she was a woman, they were able to say, you know, look at that. It's 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 uh, you know, she shouldn't be because she's so cruel and whatnot. The fact is, um, it, you know, this is the kind of thing that goes on in uh, in these uh, uh, dynasties. So um, she was not special in that uh, uh, respect. Uh, I think I think what made her really stand out and what you know um, where she had the most opposition is because she was a woman and uh, you know yeah obviously when you combine that with with some of the things that happened you know her her um, the previous emperor dying and not really you know people not really knowing the cause or trying to make conspiracy conspiracy theories out of it. All of that sort of grew, and you know, her her legend became somewhat um, uh, complicated by the fact that you know she was a very successful emperor, but at the same time, people said uh, that she did these things, and so you know, which version of her do you want to look at? And um, you know, it's still being debated in China. Um, but for me, the most interesting thing, yes, part of it is that, yes, she was she was uh, a woman and, you know, um, right. I don't want right. to spoil anything, but, you know, there's connections there and there's definitely, um, you know, this sense that, you know, uh, well, is she you know, is she worth worthy of the throne? Right. Okay. That that again looks. I look forward to to seeing how it pans out when I play the game. <laughs> and and what what type what type of research did 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 you do when you you mentioned you did research to make sure that you it's, it's the setting was you know that it was as accurate as possible when not being a historical documentary, you wanted to keep it as accurate as possible. So just curious, what type of research did you go about doing? Right. Um, well, you know, I, I drew from my personal uh, experience growing up, uh, watching um, and reading, you know, about uh, um, this character and this setting as well. Um, but, uh, you know, when it came time to really dig deep and, 
make sure that certain facts were correct. I certainly uh, I had to crack open a few books and uh, do a, a bit of Googling. Uh, <laughs> um, also, uh, we do have um, uh, the game's going to come out in Chinese. Uh, it's going to be um, uh, published, uh, co-published by a, a Chinese company that's helping us do the, the Chinese version. And, um, you know, the, the cool thing about that is that, you know, they came on board pretty early on after the Kickstarter. And I was able to sort of, you know, run some of the my ideas by them and they would, you know, play through some of the different builds. And so I, I, I was able to bounce um, some of these things off of, you know, certainly a... a, a uh, yeah. Yeah. More, more ideas. Yeah. Yeah. People that 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 could be a, you could call more experts than than me. You know, having grown up in the West, um, you know, and they had more access to to Chinese books and things like that. So it was, um, yeah, it was it was good to to be able to sort of bounce that off of them. And uh, one of one of the nice things that came out from that cl- collaboration was that um, in the game we have um, some uh, items that are uh, letters and and notes that are written by hand. So when it came time to um, translating those and making them Chinese, um, you know, the the publisher said, well, you know, let's make it authentic. Let's go and find a, a real calligrapher and uh you know make him paint the the actual letters and and do the calligraphy for these uh for these uh uh items um and uh you know they they uh they did such a great job and it looks amazing um and you know chinese calligraphy by itself you know when it's done at that level it, it, it can look like art um, and we, we were able to work with um, a calligrapher who, you know, had uh, 30 years of experience, um, you know, highly trained, highly, highly uh, skilled and, and award winning. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, it, it kind of all came together and, and I, you know, I, um, th- their effort would feed back into mine to make sure that, you know, I would, I would, I would uh, pay respect and, and make sure that I, you know, things that I put in were accurate. And when I would do that and, and bring them uh, some ideas, uh, they would, um, they would help me make sure that. So it was, it was a nice sort of collaboration to make sure that everything was, you know, as accurate as we could make it, obviously for a game of this scope. Right. Yeah. Okay. So you're able to make it accurate and authentic that way. That sounds, uh, you know, that sounds re- really interesting. That's, uh, yeah, um, yeah. For for those who, who yeah. want to play Chinese or want to have a look and switch, you know, to, to the Chinese language and and see some of that artwork. But uh, yeah, I think uh, um, you know I, I'm I'm proud of the fact that we were able to include that. Yeah, no, no. Congratulations on it. It's great to hear that it, you can make it as authentic as possible this way as well. So mm-hmm. uh, so well, congratulations on that and. Um, and then with regards to gameplay, now one thing, now we talked a little bit about the puzzles, that it's investigation and interrogating the, the people. 
One thing that I see from the synopsis is that you mentioned you'll be able to deduct and reenact a scene of a crime. So what what can you tell us about about this mechanic in the game, again, without spoiling anything? Right. Um, well, it, you know, I think that idea came out of my own personal experience with um, playing this kind of adventure game. My, by this kind, I guess I'm talking about like mystery or detective games. And one of the things that happens when I play them is that, you know, you have all these clues and and you start collecting things. And then by a certain point, you sort of can't remember, you know, like, oh, wait, who was that guy? And was this thing for? And um, so I thought it would be interesting to include you know instead of a, a, a maybe just a recap of what happened a little playable part at the end of each chapter where you have to put together your theory based on certain questions that certain things that happened just in that previous chapter what your um, concept of you know the case was okay so um, why do you think this happened, you know? And for each question, you would then see that scene that took place sort of play out in your mind. So it, it, it's, it, we call it a reenactment, basically, because it's, it's you know, it's kind of like what you see in, um, uh, what do you call that, uh, Unsolved Mysteries, where, where the actors reenact the scene. Right, uh, yeah. So, but it, for me, it, 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 it's more about carrying the momentum of, you know, what just happened into the next uh, part of the game. Um, and, you know, less about, the, you know, a uh, complicated play mechanic. I think if, if, if you played, um, I play, you know, I, there's, there's, it's always challenging, you know, if you play detective games. Uh, I don't know if you played um, any uh, recent ones like uh, even L.A. Noir or um, games like that where basically you, you have to make a choice, right? Okay, did he do it? Or, you know, didn't, did he, is he lying? And then if you make a choice, you get this... Um, uh, oh no, you were wrong, or you accused the wrong person. I, I think even in Assassin's Creed, one of the uh, I think the one set in London, you know, you had to, you had these cases where you had to uh, accuse somebody, and if you were wrong, they would tell you you were wrong, and then you move on. For me, um, this mechanic really is all about building momentum and building your knowledge so that you carry that forward into the next chapter, and hopefully. Uh, you know, it works out because when I when I play uh, detective games, a lot of times what happens is that I kind of lose track, I kind of lose that momentum, and I'm I'm not sure what's going on anymore. And right, I, yeah. you know, it, it it ends up making it harder for me to pick up the game again. So uh, th- yeah, that's it's hard to explain because I'm trying to solve a problem that you know you may not be aware of. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, hopefully it solves it and people sort of 
you know, can't put the game down and they keep, they keep going. Yeah, no, it sounds interesting. It makes sense kind of what you're what you're saying. It sounds a bit similar. I don't know if you had a chance to play it. Lamplight City by Francisco Gonzalez, which in that game you can uh, accuse someone of committing the crime, and if you get it wrong, the game doesn't end. The game continues, but that has an effect on the rest of the game. So then, if you need, maybe you need this character's help, but you put them in jail. So they can't help you, and it will have affected the story. And also in the, the Sherlock Holmes games by Frogwares, they also have, I believe, sounds kind of similar, but still different, where you also reenact the scene. I think you put the clues on the board, you put them together, and you can reenact where I think Sherlock Holmes is asking Dr. Watson to mm, to re- reenact the crime. I, I, I haven't played right. the latest games, but right. I played uh, Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. So, no, I agree right. that this sounds like a very good way, but as you mentioned in a mystery game in particular, if you leave the game and come back about a week later and you're like, wait, so what What happened again? And <laughs> so yeah, this, yeah. So this sounds... this sounds like a good idea, I think. So, no, I, I think yeah. it sounds yeah. like it'll, it'll work well. It'll keep players familiar with what's going on especially with such a narrative driven game and yeah yeah. okay and then with the with the graphics which also look very unique as well now they are pixel art but they have a kind of a unique pixel art look that you know yeah you know you can you can tell that from what i thought i said oh it's pixel art but then they look different they don't look like any other particular games. So, what can you tell us, or why did you decide to make the game pixel art and have this look in particular? Right. Um, well, you know, I guess pixel art part part, part of the the uh, um, history of adventure games, sort of rooted in, in you know uh, pixel art type of of uh, aesthetic. You know, way going back to to Maniac Mansion and whatnot. So for me, it was it, it felt like a, a fairly natural fit, especially if we wanted to, you know, um, obviously uh, do a first our first adventure game with a small budget. It kind of made sense to 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 do it um, in pixel art, but then in terms of the style, um, I, I wanted to do something that reflected the the uh, colorful and, and rich nature of the setting, you know. Um, it was a very um, uh, a lush uh, and vibrant time. Uh, you know, the clothes people wore, the architecture, everything was, was quite uh, was quite vibrant. So wanted to, I wanted to make sure we reflected that in, in the lighting, the colors, the kind of <clears throat> uh, sets that we have. And on top of that, you know, you probably noticed that in the artwork, there's this um, very strong angular look. You know, there's, 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 uh, in terms of the perspective. And that comes from also uh, um, classical Chinese art. Uh, A lot of um, landscape paintings from, uh, from the 1400s or you know even before that were drawn in in this kind of style where there was 
almost like a 45 degree angle to everything. And uh, it, it's a very uniquely Chinese uh, style. And so I wanted to incorporate that. Um, so I think that's where you see some of, some of the uniqueness in, uh, in the uh, graphics. Yeah, sure. No, definitely. I think that 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 makes sense as well because so the so the style and the setting are you know Chinese as well. As, as I said, you know, I was trying to put my finger on what made it unique, and I, th- I think yeah, now that you mentioned, it does look very kind of angular as you mentioned, a particular perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, sorry from the from the trailer that I saw I, again, it it looked very you know unique as well. And what what game engine did you use to to make the game? Well, so at the beginning we experimented with uh, AGS and Unity, and uh, ultimately we we uh, we went with Unity, um, mostly because I think you know we're we're going to have a, a, an easier time um, uh, in terms of uh, uh, going multi-platform and, and potentially going for uh, releases on. Um, iOS or Android. Right. Yeah. Yes, because I believe with AGS, it's currently, I believe, it's not possible to do multi-platform with that. So, uh, so yeah, some... definitely, uh, certainly not without you know a lot of uh, um, custom code. Uh, right. So that was sort of uh, <laughs> that would that would have been uh, an additional challenge that I didn't really. Uh, feel uh, up to the task for. Right, yeah, no, that that makes sense. And then with the the sound again, when in the trailer there there is an oriental sound, oriental music from from the game. So uh, is the soundtrack is that uh, particularly Chinese music in the game? Um, there's definitely influences. Um, right, but it is not strictly Chinese. I think we use certain instruments that are that are um, uh, not from the era. Um, but I think you know what we're trying to do is convey the, the right feeling. Um, and for me, it was more what's going on in the scene. Uh, you know, does it fit? And and you know, what fits doesn't have to necessarily be limited. Especially, um, you know, a game like this where, where we're trying to, um, you know, going back to that accessibility question, you know, we, we do want to, to get uh, a new uh, audience uh, trying this right. out. But, but there's definitely a lot of influence in terms of, of the, um, the styles and, and uh, the instruments. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the uh, composer uh, is Italian, uh, Andrea, and uh, he's very talented, but, you know, he, he himself doesn't necessarily have a, a background with, with Asian or Chinese music, but, um, you know, when we started working together, uh, I could just see that, you know, he, he knew how to... Uh, create the right feeling, you know, for for the scenes, and that was the most important thing. Right. Okay. And uh, okay. Well, look forward to, to hearing as well. It sounded very nice from the trailer. 
least. And you, you mentioned that you wanted to port the, the game to other platforms, to iOS and Android. Is that, uh, did you plan on doing that in the future? Yeah, it, it was not, uh, it was never part of the plan, the Kickstarter, you know, but as we uh, progressed, um, it, it, it just felt like, you know, uh, sort of a natural thing to do, especially with the engine being flexible enough that <clears throat> we didn't have to sort of reinvent the wheel if we wanted to do it. So I think I think it's just a matter of time. Once we once we're done right. with the PC release and and you know we're conf- confident, comfortable that you know people are playing in the uh, in the the highest quality version. In terms, you know, if we need to do any updates and whatnot, if 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 everything uh, feels great and uh, you know we're we're um, doing okay in terms of uh, the interest level, then I think I think we will do um, Android and iOS uh, not long after. I think it's um, yeah, it's more a matter of time, you know. Like, are we able to? Um, are we able to get it done quickly or will it take a while? Because we do have to change some of the interface around, you know, make it touchscreen compatible and whatnot. But, right, um, yeah. Yeah. And, okay, and any plan to bring you to Nintendo Switch, which I believe a lot of people are asking the adventure game developers? Yeah, you know, I um, my son has a Switch, and uh, I feel like... Uh, you know that might be down the line uh, because it, it is you know what I've I've when I've played it uh, it does feel like it would be um, a comfortable fit you know so yeah no why not you know I think if if there's some interest there and we can um, uh, justify the the work involved. Uh, I, I, I would love it to be on the Switch. Okay, yeah, hopefully. The more places, uh, the better, hopefully. And, yeah. uh, and And then do you plan on making that so... So that you know, hopefully this game will be successful. You know, I, I think it, it certainly has a very good chance. And do so the game does sell very well and there's interest in the game then. Uh, do you plan on making a series of Detective D games or would you like to make an original game uh, next? Uh, that's a really or, good question. Or, or ha- you know, have you decided or are you able to? Yeah, to yeah. If you're not yeah, able no, to answer, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a problem. I, You know, uh, um, it's very interesting in, in a lot of different ways. First of all, you know, I, I'm as you reach the end of a project like this that's taken years, um, you have all these different feelings, you know, like uh, <clears throat> what's going to happen to this particular game, but also, okay, now that I'm done, what am I going to do? Um, and, you know, it's something that I've been thinking about for the last few months. Um, in, the back, in the back of my head, I've always had the idea that, yeah, if Detective D goes well, uh, I, I certainly wouldn't mind revisiting it. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is kind of this has kind of been my dream project, and um, by that I mean, you know, uh, 
I'm I'm 40 years old now, and when I think back at the last 10, 15 years, I feel like uh, there's a lot of ideas that you know I've had at certain points in my life that I've just sort of wanted to put into a game, and now I kind of have. You know, I've put a lot of I've put a lot of uh, some of these sort of personal, um, I, I guess, I've poured a lot of stuff into this game. And maybe it's time to take a break and see. As uh, well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, I think you and, deserve it. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, if I want to do the same subject matter again or the same character again, um, I want to make sure that, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to pour the same amount of, uh, of energy, of, of creativity, of, you know, all of these things that, that come from thinking about an idea for so long. Um, I want to be able to do that for the next game. And, you know, I, I just think that it's possible that if it's an, a new idea, something completely different, that I might be able to, to do that in, in, um, more easily, you know, because I, I'm, I'm visiting new ground. For example, you, know, you do a lot of research uh, for something like this. And so you spend a lot of time in, in that time and place. And I love this um, setting, you know, but do I want to spend another two, three years in this setting? Or, you know, should I, should I spend some time in a different, you know, place and time so that those are all questions that um you know i'm still thinking about so the the short answer is i don't know uh, <laughs> i don't know if i'm going to do uh take you know it, it's very possible and 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 you know what it's it's part of being a game designer is um having this conversation as a creator with the users you know and right. i feel like once 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 users tell me you know what uh, this was amazing. You know, we'd love to revisit it. You tell me that uh, often enough, maybe, maybe it will convince <laughs> me. You know, so it's it really it really is um, sort of open ended at the moment. Okay, so if if we players really want a sequel or a series, we just need to tell you we love the setting and we love the character. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Or or you could just make the ninjas versus zombies in the meantime. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ninjas that, zombies. I, I feel like that's a winner. Yeah, I I think that could be your <laughs> high, highest selling game. You could outdo Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. you never know crazier things have happened so 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 yeah so this game it the release date is now i believe it, pro- it might be out by the time this interview goes out it's may the first correct mm-hmm. yeah that's right okay yeah and where can people buy the game um, it will be available at the start on Steam and on Humble Bundle. Okay, so the two two options there. And are you looking for other places to to go? Or I know it's difficult. I've heard from other developers it's difficult getting the games on online stores. So yeah, um, well, we have uh, um, one with uh, itch.io or itch.io, mm-hmm. uh, which. Uh, I need to confirm, but I'm pretty sure we'll be on there as well. 
Um, you know, it's going to have to roll out uh, in terms of if it's going to be on other stores and it's sort of going to have to roll out in the first week. Um, right. Because, uh, yeah, you know, uh, like you said, there is an approval process and um, some of it happens quicker, some of it happens slower. And, you know, some of it, um, maybe uh, um, uh, listeners can help out uh, on this, but, uh, you know, I, I, we were rejected by uh, GOG uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't uh, know what's happening with GOG. They've, they're rejecting a lot of seemingly good games lately, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we came, we went to them uh, pretty early on, like a year ago, um, you know, and at the time we had already been greenlit by, by Steam users when green light was still a thing. <laughs> uh, but now, um, yeah, you know, at the time they told me, they said no, and I asked them how come, and uh, I guess it, it, our game was just too small. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, no, that, but, that's a real shame. It's because yeah. <laughs> it's a very yeah. unique game, very original game that I believe that there is a market for it. That people always want more indie games and more original games, and this fits the bill on both counts. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, well, at least it it will be available. People can uh, can get the game. And then before we finish, then. Uh, you mentioned that it was successfully funded on Kickstarter, and I've spoken to other developers about Kickstarter. Some were for it. Some said that, you know, it was thanks to Kickstarter were able to make the games. Others said that they don't want to use it, that it, they feel it's too risky and that. So when when you did Kickstarter, and since you were successful, uh, is there are there any things in particular that you felt that you did that contributed to the success, or do you have any particular advice for Anybody else who wants to put a game or anything through Kickstarter to uh, to mm. help? Now, I, I know each uh, Kickstarter project is different and unique, and I know in your case, people are probably interested in the setting of the game itself as well. But is there anything that you would like to say to maybe give advice to other people who want to go on Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, boy, I think research, research, research for me. Right. Um, I think... Uh, when, uh, if I think back from the point where I decided to do a Kickstarter, Kickstarter to when, you know, I clicked the button to launch the Kickstarter, it was at least nine months. So, uh, during those nine months, it was preparation and research, preparation and research. And it was, it was really putting in that time. Otherwise it, it, it wouldn't have worked. Uh, and I know, that, you know, some people, you may think that it's a little bit easier than that, you know, let's prepare a video, put some screenshots together. Um, and and uh, you know, from my experience, you know, it takes, takes a lot of effort uh, and, and uh, time investment in order to, to get something um, off the ground and, and, and to get, uh, give it a chance to succeed. Right, yeah, no, because I, I have seen, I've seen on both sides where I've seen some Kickstarters where, as you mentioned, the people, they just put a few screenshots in a trailer and then they're, I'd see that they're not really involved with the community. And mm-hmm. th- then I see others who do what seems to be everything right. They prepare the themes, you know, they 
promote the Kickstarter first for a couple of months and then they're actively involved. The games look interesting, but for whatever reason, they don't meet the target. So I I suppose each each Kickstarter is, is different, but... Uh, right, no, congr- right. congratulations on your Kickstarter and your game that the Kickstarter was, su- was successful and I, I believe the game itself will be successful it looks really interesting and I know other people who feel the same so I'm really looking that. forward to trying it out and learning more about ancient China <laughs> that I can yeah. have I can have uh, some, at least some kind of knowledge because I don't know very much now we yeah, uh, yeah. you know it appears here you know the uh, we, on the news and on things they don't talk about it as much but you know hopefully in the future they will and so then before we finish so where can people find you online so does does your company have a website uh, yeah you can find uh, new pixo uh, games on newpixo.com um, okay. you can find detective d on uh, detectived.com and uh, you know those will lead you to um, if you're interested in looking at the Steam page or um, things like that. The, the the links are all there. Um, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at NewPixel. Um, I think that's about it. And uh, you know uh, we'll be doing sort of a, a final push here in terms of uh, the media and trying to to get the word out. So. Uh, you might hear about the game uh, in the next uh, little while. Sure, okay. And I'd also recommend that people check out, I'll see if I can put a link to it, Ken Gamewalker's video about the game, which shows uh, some gameplay from the game, which really got me interested in the Mm -hmm. game. So I'd really recommend people check that out. And Okay, so then before we finish, is there anything you want to mention to people listening or for other developers or for fans of Kickstarter? I'll let you take us out. Right, right. Well, I, you know, I really, really appreciate all the um, uh, the support uh, from, uh, uh, I guess, you know, people going back to, back to the Kickstarter and, and, and the funders, but also... Um, you know, everybody that has uh, been interested in the project from um, the standpoint of, you know, sub the, whether it be the co- cultural significance or uh, just, you know, it, that it's a neat idea. And, and it's been very encouraging. Uh, so I want to thank everybody out there, uh, including yourself. I appreciate this, uh, this opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, for anybody who... Um, who looks at this game and this particular idea and says, wow, that's a strange thing, you know, like a <laughs> Chinese detective uh, from ancient China, um, you know, in a point-and-click adventure. What's that all about? I think uh, hopefully it, it, it goes to show that, you know, today uh, in particular, we are able to, you know, put together these ideas that in the past you would not have thought uh, could succeed, and the fact that we've gotten to this point where we're on the brink of releasing it, and I'm just proud of the fact that, um, yeah, maybe 10 years ago that would have been, you know, almost uh, uh, you know unthinkable. Nobody would pitch such an idea, and um, because of you know the environment today and 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 um, uh, Kickstarter and, and things like that. 
my son, who's you know still still a uh, young teenager, he's going to be able to play a game where you know he's he's a Chinese character as opposed to uh, you know something a, a bit more familiar. So it, it's uh, it's an exciting time. So I, I would say that people who are interested in doing something different, um, uh, you know, go ahead and give it a try. Uh, well, I look forward to to playing it. As you mentioned, some you know very different. We don't get to play as enough Asian characters, and hopefully this can start a trend. So yeah, so um, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, because as as you mentioned, you know, I, I you know we play as a lot of white males, and you know I want to play as mm-hmm. other people now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so thank you very much, Min, for joining me. It's a real been a real real pleasure. I'm delighted to have spoken to you. I'm you know, I've I feel I feel like I'm more knowledgeable now. And I re- <laughs> I really look forward to, to trying out the game and discussing it on, on the podcast. So uh the very best of luck with it and with your future projects and your holiday, which I think we can allow you to to take. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. So that was my interview with Mintav and the Pixel Games. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and I had a really great time talking to him. I feel like I learned a lot about that time period in China. And it's really, really interesting. And I'd love to read more about it. And now I would highly recommend people check out his game, Detective D, The Silk Rose Murders. It has been getting some very positive reviews on Steam. And I will hopefully have a full review of it next week, hopefully with Tomas Bex. That is it for this week of the Adventure Games podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Take care, everyone. Bye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you our adventure game developer or adventure game player you can follow us there so again please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you